Queer Arabs podcast. Yes, yes. And go! Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. Um, as our website says, there are at least two of us in the world. We so, know there are way more than that, though. Probably. For sure. Probably. <laughs> um, oh. I am... Oh, go ahead. Oh, so you may have noticed that we have been, we have finally, finally, finally put up the website. We are working on getting this thing onto iTunes and all the other wonderful places people like to do things with podcasts from. Yes, uh, um, we'll get to that as soon as possible. For those of you who are coming in in the future, hello from the past, and <laughs> thequeerarabs.com if you want to get this stuff directly. Yeah, and... By the time you listen to this, future people, I hope it's all—it's up on all the major podcast apps. I am half Saudi and a lesbian. That's my, and, my bio. And I am bi, trans, and Lebanese. We check off a bunch of boxes. Yep. Just the two of us. So that's kind of exciting. Oh, and we love each other. And we love each other. Oh. So I'd like to get us started with a little get to know you. We've been doing this the other episodes and we're going to keep it going. So Ellie, give me three nouns, please. Nouns. Mm -hmm. War. Ooh. Drums. Uh-huh. And kitties. Oh. What is your least favorite war? <laughs> you know... Let's go with the most pointless war. Um, God, there's a lot of pointless wars. I'm gonna go with World War One because that one was almost completely avoidable and unnecessary. You know, it wasn't, it was basically caused by one guy being assassinated and then everyone's secret alliance is kicking in. And where did it get us? Nowhere. Well, lots of dead people. Do you feel that the drums have a place outside of music, not just within mu the music context. I don't understand the question. Do drums have any other purpose aside from within the musical sphere context? Do you think there are other ways drums could be utilized? As shelters for cats. You don't even have to cut them in half, you just have to tip them over and the cat is now happy. Well, that leads us into the next question, kitties. If you are not allergic to kitties, even though we have two and you've, you've gotten acclimated to them, we're accustomed to them. Uh, okay, if you were not allergic to kitties, how many would you want to have? Mm, I think I'd go with three. Yeah, I wish we could get a third. My three nouns are ninja, ramen, and mesh. How hungry are you for ninja ramen? Uh, I want to go to Ninja Ramen so badly, but we're going to a different ramen place after this. Or maybe. Actually, but, I don't think we are, because our friends already went, because they don't want to wait for us. I which I don't so, blame them. So, are you feeling a little ramen obsessed? Yeah. And I'm actually glad they went ahead without us. We, we started recording a little later than we thought, and we were just like, go ahead. True. Go eat. And what was the last one? Double filter? What, uh, mesh. Mesh. Oh, so tell them about the new toys we got. So we have a new microphone. Yay. Yeah, we actually sound okay. We sound much better than the first two episodes. According to our sound test, we'll see at the end if, if that's the case. And then we have a filter for 
just above the microphone, which is, I guess, kind of a mesh material. Yeah, it's a mesh material. But it keeps our sound nice, smooth, and consistent. So, yay, yeah. mesh. Yeah. We're, it's like we're almost professionals. Almost. Like we're almost adults. Um, yes. All right. So I want to, I'd like to address some of the feedback that we've gotten since we dropped our first two episodes on our website. And first off, thank you to all who have listened. It really means a lot to us. We, as you know, we're just getting started figuring this out as we go along. And we truly appreciate that you have been patient through our trials and errors and our poor sound quality of the first two episodes, especially. All right, let's get the bad part out of the way and then get to the good part. So the bad part, which is actually hilarious to me, is we got a one-star review by a guy who didn't even listen to the episodes because it was right, like, a few minutes after we posted that we had dropped the episodes. And then some rando on Facebook put a one-star review and just put something like, queer? What's that? And this is the not funny part. He proceeded to post a transphobic uh, video and was like, check this out to back himself up, apparently, his homophobia and transphobia. And anyway, many comments later among us and some others, some friends and some other people who were listening, he based, he or she, I don't know the gender or they, mm -hmm. um, that person just looked like a complete idiot and a complete fool and Facebook we reported the transphobic elements of the message and Facebook deleted it. So thanks Facebook. We appreciate it. Yes, you did something correct, Facebook. Yes, we will acknowledge your correct behavior. This time. You've it still... is I mean, it is good to acknowledge positive behavior to enforce it. Yes. You've still done a lot of fucked up things, Facebook. <laughs> Still have, but positive reinforcement. Okay, so thanks for being against transphobia. At this point, um, we have like literally a hundred likes, and so we are tiny at this point. So if this sounds like exceptionally... not even a hundred, <laughs> yeah. So at this point in the podcast life, yes, this sounds a little petty, but it was like huge drama because we have never done this sort of thing. I have not done this in sort of the modern web 2.0 or onward. Yeah. So getting likes and Ratings is kind of a new thing, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. And even the first, the uh, one star rating, we were like, okay, maybe we're doing something right. We're already getting hate, hate uh, messages. We're no, but haters. not to encourage hate messages. Please do not send us hate, hate filled feedback or threats or any of that. It is pointless because we'll just take it and laugh at it on upcoming episodes. Just like we did this, because this was lots of fun. It was. All right, so... On to real stuff. On to real stuff. That person has had enough attention put on them. I would like to shout out the people who have given good reviews on Facebook. Uh, there have been several. I really appreciate it. It meant a lot to me and to Ellie. So thank you for the excellent reviews, the kind words. Uh, some of our friends listened and we're very supportive and it just it's extremely encouraging to us and makes us feel like we need to keep going with this. Some topics that were suggested by folks through uh, private messages or just even verbally to one of us. One of the topics is 
the overlapping among Arabs and other minorities within the LGBT community. So just kind of doing a comparison type of thing, I think that's a great idea. There are so many overlaps, so many ways we can all relate to each other. We look forward to having some great guests in the, in the future to address those topics with us. We're not going to try to do that alone. We're going to get some guests on who we feel will be very knowledgeable and yeah, we, helpful in explaining things. Because we can only speak to our own experience. We cannot speak to the experience of like... A Pakistani. Or Iranian. Or yeah. like Black North African. Right. Or any other minority. Yes. Who we hope to have come onto the show and speak to their experiences and kind of do a little... Oh, I get that. I understand. Or, oh, that's a little different from what we've dealt with. But we can Tell relate and, hey, intersectional feminism at work. Yes. Woo. Fist bump. Um, so a very constructive and appreciated critique was, um, I'm just going to read excerpts of the Facebook message that I got from someone, and I really appreciated it. It was a great reminder and also made me made me realize I need to do some much more in-depth research than I had even thought. Uh, so I'm going to read it and then at the end I'll discuss it. You were just talking about Syria and had no issues doing so. No issues talking about politics in a different country, but when it comes to Saudi Arabia, you neglect to tell um, the listeners about something that nearly no one knows about or cares about. Please think about your privilege and how you can use it positively and how it impacts viewers. It really hurts the community belonging to surrounding countries when Saudis seem to talk about every other country's politics except their own. Uh, love the podcast otherwise. From another queer Arab. So that, unlike the completely not backed up one-star review critique, was helpful, constructive, and informative. So that's the kind of feedback... Even if it's like, hey, can you fix this that you're doing? That's the kind of feedback we will be super responsive to and appreciative of, along with, you know, the positive reinforcement. Uh, anyway, are, yeah, but are, yeah, are, um, are we, so should we move on from the meta discussion? Well, I kind of want to address that message just a, a, for a moment. I should have mentioned this on the episode where I gave the Saudi 101, Saudi Arabia 101, that was episode two. I am not even close to being done talking about Saudi Arabia on this podcast, and the episode two, the 101, was just kind of a precursor to what will be many conversations about the insanity that is Saudi Arabia. And I don't, I also don't want to get too far into certain topics that I want to talk about, such as Saudi Arabia with Yemen. I need to address that as soon as possible and in as much depth and with as much care as possible. But I don't want to do so until we have a wider audience. I'd like the, I'd like this podcast to be up on the apps before I get into topics like that because those are extremely important topics that need to be addressed. And I, I would like a wider audience to have the most up-to-date up information from our podcast as possible. So I will get to things like that. Um, but we gotta do our homework and do our research for yeah. reasons we will show shortly, like on our Lebanon segment. Exactly. Today, um, which will also be an ongoing thing just because it is ridiculous. Yeah. Just hearing you talk about it as you were getting things ready, I was amazed that this tiny, tiny country has gone through so much and continues to do so. All right, so here's a reason why we cannot talk 
in short, or limit any particular country or discussion to one episode. Let's start with Lebanon. Um, and let us we're not even going to go deep history on Lebanon, and we're just going to skim it. For modern Lebanese, we've got the most important event being the Lebanese Civil War from 1975 to 1990, arguably, mm -hmm. um, where 100,000 people were killed, 100,000 people were also injured or maimed. And this started in the background with the rise of Pan-Arabism, Black September in Jordan, the rise of Islamic fundamentalism, hello Wahhabism, uh, the Iranian Revolution, Ba'athism, Pan-Arabism, Abdel Nasser of, uh, basically Nasser of Egypt, and, you know, in the aftermath of the war attrition with Israel, the Yom Kippur War, and this is a country with, that is hugely ethnically diverse. We've got Maronite Christians, Orthodox Christians, Sunni Muslims, Shia Muslims, with Druze, Kurds, Armenians, Palestinian refugees, and now Syrian refugees. This is all in this, all these people are packed into a side, country the size of metropolitan Houston area. Yeah. I literally live in a city as large as this country. And Ellie mentioned, when we were making that comparison, Ellie mentioned, well, at least Lebanon has mountains, so it, it goes, it has some height, it's got, still, it's got It's got more surface area, but I'm still, arguing. It's insane. And since the, uh, and since, since uh, during all this, let's say from World War II, Lebanon has been arguably invaded by the United States, the Syrians, the Israelis, Iran by proxy, the Russians either directly or by proxy, arguably, Palestinians by Arafat, and the PLO and Fatah, and all the wonderful refugees who are either stuck there for a long time or their children, in the case of the Palestinians, or the new refugees from Syria. And all this is based on a government that was basically built, set up during World War II after the fall of the Ottoman Empire, declared independence during the middle of World War II in 1943, and has basically been governed by an under-national pact to keep all these ethnic groups and minorities represented uh, enough that they don't feel like they needed to fight each other or seek outside help, but it's kind of falling apart and everyone's sort of trying to avoid the war by poking at that unwritten bear. That is, this is like barely scratching the surface of modern Lebanon. It's, oh God. It's a country that has been at civil, been in a long civil war, been invaded so many times just in the last hundred years. It was basically born at the rise of the Cold War, was played as a proxy war field between the United States, the Russians, the Pan-Arabists and the Communist and everyone else who thought they were a player in the Middle East. It is complicated. So Lebanon has given us a lot of material for many episodes for us. And that's not even addressing the, you know, modern queer stuff that we should be addressing in this podcast. I mean, just to talk about yeah. it, you have to sort of talk about the attitudes of all these religious groups who are there, how it's governed, because this is what's called a multi-confessional state where, like, all these religious groups are bound to one law, but they also have their separate religious courts. So it's, and your national identity includes your religion, so you can be sorted out into the correct court, more or less. It's, it's complicated. Yeah, because, I mean, any issue that you bring up within the Middle East, for example, being queer, that's the tip of the iceberg. You have to dive 
deeply into the history, the culture, the religion. And God help you if you ignore colonialism and its impact on the attitude towards homosexuality. Was it colonialism that brought the negative attitudes? Kind of. It was also there in the background. And freedom was sort of enjoyed by the more privileged people depending on where you were, who you were, and what time it was. A lot. Nothing is simple. You cannot give an all-encompassing one-on-one to even begin to talk. Talking about any event in the Middle East it entails discussion of at least 100 years of history. It is exhausting. And so, as we were doing our research for this episode, we quickly realized, whoa. Yeah. Like, we know whoa, but... Whoa. We each felt like we had a decent understanding of Saudi Arabia and Lebanon. In Ellie's case, Lebanon. My case, Saudi Arabia. I thought I had kind of an understanding of, I don't know, the overall history, the culture, etc. But I started reading and I was just... Oh, I'm... How... I, I'm like drowning. I don't know where to start. I am learning so much that I had no idea. No. We're kind of in our own little Western bubble here, but this is kind of yeah. kind of the result of being the children of refugees and immigrants. But and we will continue these discussions and more. Yes. It's just... Oh my it, god. It's, it's a, li it's it's a, a little, little oppressive. daunting. It is extremely daunting. Uh, did you want to add anything else about, your, about Lebanon for now? Or? Oh, and don't forget, this is a state that borders Israel, Jordan, Syria, and arguably Turkey, depending on how you want to interpret it, plus it's near near connection to Cyprus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm despairing in trying to attempt to describe how complicated this country can be sometimes. Yeah. I am impressed it's a nominally independent nation that's, yeah. that works-ish, depending on who you ask. And this is us talking as outsiders looking in. Right. Like, sort of outsiders. All right. All right. Well, so that was your brief surface scratching of why we were so we are so scared of our own history and politics discussion. We're a little scared of this of our own podcast, but that's why we're doing it. We have to confront our fears. Yes. In the future, I will be talking about the war crimes against Yemen uh, by Saudi Arabia. What happened with with Bahrain in 2011? Well, I won't be I won't be talking it won't just be me talking about it. I'll just say that. There'll be someone a lot more informed. And we swear to you, us. we will get to the gay stuff. Yes, we will. Um, I will be talking about what uh, Saudi Arabia has been doing to Qatar. I will be addressing the treatment of women and foreigners in Saudi Arabia, how much aid Saudi Arabia could give to nations who severely need it but don't, the Wahhabi interpretation of Islam, which I'm going to start talking about today. The fact that Saudi Arabia has so much land but won't give permanent refuge to anyone from surrounding countries who need it. Like I said, I want to put a lot of care and research into those topics. I'm going to start with, um, let me, uh, I'm already getting overwhelmed and I haven't even started. I'm fine. I just have to collect my thoughts. I had a conversation actually with a Saudi relative not too long ago. It was before this podcast, but it was recent about why Saudi Arabia is such an such a like closed off and exclusionary nation because that's something that's bothered me for a very long time. It bothered it still bothers me. It's relative kind of broke it down with these elements. So the traditional tribal structures definitely play a huge part in this way of thinking like being kind of 
closed off. We don't really want much to do with the rest of the world. We want to keep our culture and keep ourselves insular. That's an element. Before oil was sought out by the rest of the world, it was a very poor region of the world and everyone depended on their tribes for everything, not on any government. So that created very these very, very tight-knit, cohesive little groups of people, uh, their, their own tribes. And now tribalism is very slowly fading out. Um, I mean, it's still there, definitely, but it's very slow. <laughs> That's the key word. So many people within Saudi Arabia don't trust the government there, so many still do stick to their tribes. Or in other words, um, extended families so extended families or tribes are kind of the same thing. And they depend on that structure for support, for whatever support they don't get from the government or from anyone else. There's usually a leader, like a sheikh, and that person's guidance is sought out. Or even... What's think. the downside of having a sheikh? A huge downside is that you have complete inconsistency among tribes. It's easy to misunderstand another tribe because they're different from you. Your leader has always been telling you things are a certain way, and then this other tribe is like, what the hell are they doing? And so tribal feuds are constantly a thing. Having one sheikh for each tribe makes it kind of hard to like be open to others' perspectives. So that's played a huge role in this mindset of like, let's be closed off. Let's keep things very like insulated. Also, um, gender segregation has been a factor in the closed off society that is Saudi Arabia. Um, that divide has caused even more tight knit group structures. So you already have the tribal, the kind of tribal segregation and now add in gender segregation. Everyone pretty much, it, it's like everyone kind of very quickly figures out what their personal bubble is and they figure out that sticking to that personal bubble and not venturing outside of it is pretty much the safe, the safe thing to do. Additionally, the Wahhabis played a huge role in Saudi Arabia coming to power and it completely contrasts everything that the West stands for. I'm going to actually go more in depth with Wahhabism in, in a second. And then the other factor is that as recently as the early 1900s, King Abdulaziz, who founded modern-day Saudi Arabia, or Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, didn't even know that Americans spoke English. So even just a century ago, Saudi Arabia was so closed off in the world, but that even the king didn't know something that we would assume to be a very simple fact. Uh, so there's that. The whole Wahhabi thing goes back to this guy named Muhammad al-Wahhab who founded the movement of Wahhabism. And it's a conservative movement and it stems from the religion of Islam. Would we call it like a branch of Islam? Not, not necessarily. It is more an interpretation of Islam that has been so skewed. Who is Mr. Al-Wahhab? He was a religious leader in the 1700s from Central Arabia as it was known at the time. And he grew up as a Sunni Muslim, but over time he started disagreeing with traditional Sunni practices. Uh, some of those practices included visiting tombs of saints, and he saw this practice as putting idols on a pedestal, and he disapproved of that. I mean, it's kind of similar with in, within Christianity, where idolatry was really looked down upon, in a way. But he took this to an extreme. He turned away from the Sunni Mus a lot of the Sunni Muslim practices, and uh, many Sunni Muslim scholars who were his contemporaries rejected his interpretations and even 
Even his own father and brother didn't agree with him. So this guy was like kind of an outlier at the time. Well, a total outlier at the time, kind of the black sheep. But this is how the Wahhabi, the whole Wahhabi thing got to be, you know, kind of the trend. So Muhammad al-Wahhab got with Muhammad bin Saud. So remember the Sauds from last Saudi Arabia uh, 101 in last episode? The royal family. So you had Muhammad bin Saud. So you have Muhammad al-Wahhab and Muhammad bin Saud kind of becoming friends. They created an, al an alliance and this got Mohammed, uh, oh my god, Mohammed, <laughs> Mohammed al-Wahhab within with the Saud family, so the royal family. So um, Mohammed bin Saud was attracted to the interpretation of Islam that Muhammad al-Wahhab was all about, and they agreed that they wanted to bring the folks in Arabia back to the so-called true principles of Islam which is complete BS, like that was not, that never was what were the true principles of Islam. So a known quote by Muhammad al-Wahhab, um, which he said to Muhammad bin Saud is, you are the settlement's chief and wise man. I want you to grant me an oath uh, that you will perform jihad, or a struggle to spread Islam, against the unbelievers. In return, you will be imam, leader of the Muslim community, and I will be leader in religious matters. Al-Ash-Sheikh, which is Saudi Arabia's leading religious family, are descendants of Al-Wahhab. They have control over the country's clerical institutions. So those two families' ties date way back over several centuries. You can kind of see how tied into each other, how like for centuries, the House of Saud and Wahhabism are kind of a thing. They're like a pair. Uh, so due to those historic ties, uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has been pretty closed off to everyone else because there's no other country whose values fully fit their own. Of course, you can, I mean, it's obvious what is so problematic about all of this. It's just, it's really hard to come out of that, for a country to come out of that. So the current Crown Prince has been speaking about wanting uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to embrace a more open, moderate Islam. And that's another story for a different time. We cannot let those declarations of his cause us to dismiss all the terrible events that have been occurring under his leadership, uh, such as what's going on with Yemen, um, but that's gonna be a separate episode. And just to close off with this for this segment, um, some books that I would suggest people read are The Kingdom, Arabia and the House of Saud by Robert Lacey, and then the next book, which is called Inside the Kingdom, and I haven't read those books in forever, and I want to reread them, so, and discuss that more. Maybe book club? Ooh, I like this idea. Fancy. So this makes me kind of think about the concept of pan-Arabism, and I mean, there's no, there's no clear way to predict would that have been a good thing or not. To have a little more of a pan-Arab movement than actually happened. Well, I'm of two minds on this. One, I think it was partially good because it did give the uh, Middle East, North African countries something to rally around, something to resist, you know, Western influence, like, you know, because Western influence is obviously evil. But... Um, also a way to sort of assert its own power and maintain its own identity when you have um, 
the colonial powers slash formal colonial powers, depending on your opinion of that, uh, constantly trying to influence you. Then you've, at the time, we had the Cold War, so we also had the, um, had the Soviet Union also trying to exert its influence over it. So this led to a bunch of countries trying to assert their own. Yes, there were struggles to, to implement socialism within this, but it wasn't as well aligned with the Soviet Union or the West as either of them would have liked. So in the end, it did allow them to maintain some autonomy in the face of these two superpowers. Unfortunately, like most things in the Middle East, it didn't end well. Yeah. <sighs> drama. Always drama. Well, after that uh, kind of dark history of and, and the current situation in Saudi Arabia, I think we should also balance that out with shedding some light on. And... Are we going to actually talk about queer stuff? Yeah. So, well, okay. I, I also want to mention that in future episodes, I will be talking about the good things that have been going on in Saudi Arabia. There's, there are a lot of progressive folks who are trying, trying to um, better society, and I will be highlighting some examples on a later episode. One thing I'd like to mention right now is look up the edge of Arabia. It's a good place to start. You can hear about some really great artists that have emerged from Saudi Arabia and who have been bringing a very needed glimmer of hope that things will get better with generations, new generations. But it's hard not to get discouraged and, and you know, just hate everything when you think about the way Saudi Arabia has been and still is. So let's hear some good news. All right. So something positive. We're going to highlight something that just happened in Lebanon just a few days ago, I think. And the reason I found out about this, uh, about this is our friend sent this a Facebook post to us and we feel that it deserves attention. It's amazing and I encourage everyone to look it up. Uh, it was posted, I got permission from this, uh, this individual. Her name is Sofia Cass Martinkus. Um, I will put that, I will write that out in our, um, on our website, just so you know the spelling. And if you just search, it's a public post. She said that's totally fine if we point to it. It says, uh, the post says, so proud of my sisters back in Lebanon. Brave Lebanese trans women defying stigma and making visible their presence, defying arrest and harm risks, marching in the front rows like it's always been. For the first time in the women movement in Lebanon, yesterday in broad daylight, transgender women walked alongside cis women. The main message, our struggles might be diverse, but our anger is one. That's pretty cool. Oh, and, and then the post goes on to say, the genie is out of the box, Lebanon. We shall never go back into hiding in the shadows ever again. Please, everyone check out that post, like it, share it, give it the attention it deserves. Because there are good things going on in the Middle East, despite what we talk about. And what we're told. And what we're told. Um, yeah, like... Man, this was a heavy episode. It is. I I hope not, our, not all of our episodes will be this heavy. It's important to balance things out. And yeah, and I, we do have to remember our own biases. We are both, like first generation in America, children of Arabs. Neither of us were raised in our own culture yeah. and we have been corrupted by the West. Yes, those evil Western influences have gotten to us. 
And it's going to make us, you know, a certain type of cynical toward the Middle East. But, I mean, you kind of have to be. Yeah. Because things cannot be ignored. But we also don't want to continue painting this picture of Middle East is all bad. It's this big, dark black hole on, on the planet that everyone should avoid. Because that's not the case. It's very complex. There are... People with all kinds of mindsets. I some very courageous progressive people who like uh, like the trans women marching in Lebanon put themselves in a risky situation, but it was important enough to take that risk. What was that march about? It was about trans rights and trans visibility. Trans visibility. You know, because Middle East Middle East doesn't have any gay people or trans people. You know. Uh, that evil Western influence. Uh, I'm so about evil, to. So Western. That reminds me when. Oh my god. I think that was four years ago. Yeah, it was four years ago. I was chatting with my brother who lives in Saudi Arabia, who, who grew up in Saudi Arabia. And he, he was like 15 at the time, and he said, There are no gay people in Saudi Arabia. I was just like, I don't even know. Where to start with this? Where to start with this? I have to say, and this breaks my heart, I I think he is leaning toward the Wahhabi kind of thinking of Islam. Um, and still is. You know, as... Is this the, was this the eldest brother there? No. no. Okay. My, my little brother. He was 15 when I talked to him about... Uh, when he, he claimed there are no gay people in Saudi Arabia. But I've seen evidence of him just kind of being, becoming more and more conservative. The rest of our family is pretty, pretty open for that society. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's like living in an urban setting, if it's a specific type of education. They've gotten a bunch have gone abroad and then come back gone abroad to get education and come back to Saudi Arabia. I don't know. But there are certain people, there are like some individuals in the family, like my brother, where I just, my heart breaks to watch uh, this development. So I don't know. My brother's still very young and things might change. It's hard to know. Yeah. So, I, ho I hope you can, I hope you can meet your brother one day. Oh, I really hope. And I'll be like, yeah, gay people do exist in Saudi Arabia. Well, we could go there and then be like, see, gay people do exist here. That might be very temporary. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And that got morbid and dark again. And we're back to darkness. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Another suggestion that was made by a listener was that we tell our coming out stories. Do you want to save that for a later one or do you want to just... Next time on Queer Arabs, coming out stories. Okay. Hopefully we can get to it next time. So what you're seeing here is we are literally making this up as we go along. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We are going to have a guest on eventually and i don't know when that will be if it lines up for it to be for next episode that would be first well That's we're pre-recording this we can just mess with the order they'll never know no Conspiracy. i like no i want to keep it honest and in order 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're like right. On the, on the website, it, it even has a little field where it's like date recorded. And I don't want to make up some random date. I want it to be the actual date that we're recording it. Alia is the voice of integrity here. Yeah. Obviously, the evil Western Lebanese woman is the source of lies. You're the one. Yeah, you're the one who wants to be like, wink, wink. This was recorded March 31st when it was actually April 15th. You trickster. I am so corrupt and Western and decadent. <laughs> Yeah, we can get to our, you know, hopefully on the upcoming episode, we can get to our coming out stories. I can talk about coming out to my mom. She's the one I first came out to. Then the really weird way I came out to my dad. Then Ellie can talk about coming out, transitioning, whatever else, whatever else you, Ellie, are comfortable sharing. No nudes. No nudes. No nudes. I agree. I agree. So... Well, we can, like, post nudes of our cats, because they never wear clothes. Our cat is just giving us the death glare. Our cat's like, ugh, you, you humans with your need for clothes. We're always naked. So, going up with this podcast, potentially cat pictures? Definitely cat pictures. So, yes, by the At time you see this, if you go to our website, thequeerabs.com... <laughs> Alongside with a direct link to this podcast, there will be pictures of our cats, Tally and Cinco. They are beautiful. They're amazing. I love them so much. Um, and please continue to send us feedback. And please go to our... Okay. Facebook, Facebook page. The Queer Arabs. Please like it. Please review, rate and review it. Share it. Whatever you want to do with it. Please just no threats and no one-star reviews without having listened to it. Well, no one so you're telling the person will who... hear. I'm telling the person who won't listen to this, please do not rate this without listening. So there's a Facebook page. We have our website, thequeerarabs.com. Please check it out. Listen to our previous episodes as well on there. Like, subscribe, and comment. Wait, are we... I don't think you can like the website, but you can definitely... Well, you can like it on our... On our Facebook, Facebook page, yes. So, um, like, subscribe, and comment. And then we have an email address where you can also write, uh, get in touch with us with any feedback, anything like that. Thequeerarabs at gmail.com. And uh, we invited people to do this last episode. Uh, just to remind everyone, if you ever want to like, send us a little sound clip, it can be five minutes, ten minutes, whatever. I want more voices to be heard on this podcast. So if you have any topic that you're like, oh, I'm going to add something informative. Anyway, so yeah, if you have any sound clip of any topic that you feel like, hey, I want to get this out there. I want to get people thinking about this. Send it to us in any format, like MP3, MP4, whatever. WMA. If you have a link to a YouTube or Twitch stream that you recorded, cool. Yeah, and we can play it over, over the podcast. Whatever. All right. Anything else you want to add before we say goodnight, Alia? Say goodnight. Say goodnight, Alia. Good night, Alia. Okay. See you guys. Ha. Bye.